please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9 for our scripture reading today. We'll be reading Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 through 31. So you can also uh, open up the online bulletin as well. Uh, it's available uh, through our website on the homepage. You can find a picture with a link to it, and then the sermon outline is on the online bulletin. So Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 27. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all that district. Amen. Many of you know that Fidel Castro was the dictator of Cuba for 50 years. But you might not know that Fidel Castro thought that his authority extended not just to Cuba, but also to the baseball field. One day there was an exhibition baseball game between the nations, the national teams of Cuba and Venezuela. And at one point in the game, Fidel Castro picked up a bat and he walked to home plate. Not to be outdone, the president of Venezuela, Hugo Chavez, walked out to the pitcher's mound. And so it turned out to be quite a duel between the two heads of state. The count reached three balls and two strikes. And then Castro then watched the next pitch sail right through the middle of the strike zone. And so the umpire yelled out, strike three. Castro said calmly, no, that was a ball. And then he walked to first base. And no one argued with him. President Chavez said nothing. The Venezuelan team said nothing. And the umpire even said nothing. Later, Fidel Castro joked, today just wasn't Chavez's day. It's hard to get a batter out when he has the authority to overrule the umpire's calls. Fidel Castro thought that he should have authority over everything. But the truth is, only Jesus has authority over all things. And while Fidel Castro used his authority to cheat at baseball, Jesus uses his authority to do good for us. We see that Jesus has authority over everything in Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew 9 and verse 20, we read that Jesus healed a woman who had been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 25, we read that Jesus even has authority over death. He raised a young girl from the dead just before he healed the blind men that we just read about in Matthew 9, 27 to 31. The blind men then knew about Jesus' authority. They had just heard what he had done right in their midst. And so the blind men asked Jesus to use his power to open their eyes. But before Jesus healed the blind men, 
he asked a question to them in verse 28. And it is the question that I want you to ask yourself this morning. Jesus asked the blind men, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Before he healed them, Jesus asked about the faith of the blind men. The correct response to Jesus' authority is always faith. So let's examine this faith this morning and see some other ways that we should respond to the authority of Jesus as well in Matthew chapter 9. First of all, you can see clearly that you should respond to Jesus' authority with faith. Right before the blind men approached Jesus in Matthew 9 and verse 27, Jesus had already performed these outstanding miracles in the presence of many people. It was amazing enough that Jesus had been able to instantly cure a woman who had been sick for 12 years. But it was even more amazing that he raised a dead girl back to life. That is unbelievable. Who has the authority to do that? It is likely then that there was this large crowd of people in Capernaum who were following Jesus after doing these great miracles. They were in awe of what Jesus had done. Among the crowd were these two blind men. And what did the two blind men cry out to Jesus in their need? We read in verse 27, Have mercy on us, son of David. These two blind men were desperate. No one could heal the blind. And yet, hope was beginning to stir in their hearts because of what Jesus had just done. If Jesus could heal someone who had been sick for 12 years, if Jesus could raise the dead, then could it be? Was it possible that Jesus really could heal their blindness? And so they made an appeal to Jesus' compassion by addressing him with a title in verse 27. You see what they call Jesus in that verse? Son of David. Now who is this Son of David? The Son of David was Israel's Messiah. He was Israel's king who had been prophesied about to, in fact, the great King David a thousand years earlier in 2 Samuel chapter 7. This descendant of David would ultimately establish God's eternal kingdom. The Messiah would do many other great things for his people that we read about in many places. One of those places that we read about the Messiah is found in Isaiah 35 in verses 5 and 6. Let's read together out loud what was prophesied of the Messiah. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So what is it that the Messiah would do for his people? Among other things, the prophet said that the Messiah would open the eyes of the blind. So maybe, just maybe, the blind men thought, this man who just raised the dead is our Messiah. And if Jesus is the Messiah, 
then the prophets have told us that He could heal our blindness. Wouldn't that be great if Jesus did that for us today? Now, to call Jesus the Son of David was really a remarkable expression of faith for the blind men. Even though they were physically blind, they really saw better, spiritually speaking, than many of the people around them. They saw Jesus' identity clearly, where many other people did not. But Jesus, at that moment, wanted to stretch their faith even further. And so he stretched their faith by asking them the question we see in verse 28. Do you believe that I am able to do this? You have witnessed my authority to heal other people. You have witnessed my authority to even raise the dead. But do you really believe that I am able to heal you personally? Do you really believe that I have authority to open your eyes? The two men simply respond to Jesus' question by saying, Yes, Lord. And Jesus responds in verse 29, by touching their eyes and saying to them, according to your faith, be it done to you, to the blind men here. Yes, Jesus is saying that faith in him would be a condition for his healing the blind men. But in saying according to your faith, Jesus was not saying, well, if you have so much faith in me, then you will receive your sights. He was not saying, your faith in my ability to heal you right now is at a level 5. When it gets to level 10, then I will heal you. It's not what Jesus was saying. Instead, all Jesus is saying is that if you have faith in my authority as Messiah and King, then your eyes will be opened. He will indeed heal them. It was not the blind men's great faith that healed them. It was instead Jesus' great authority that healed them. Jesus then simply wants our faith. He's asking you a yes or no question. Do you believe? Do you believe that I have the authority and the power to heal you? If you have faith, then Jesus will meet our need according to his authority over all things. This morning, I want you to think about your needs. I want you to think about specifically one of your greatest needs today. The blind men needed to see. That was front and center in their mind and their heart. They desperately needed Jesus to open their eyes. And they had faith that Jesus could open their eyes. But in order to grow their faith, Jesus asked the question, Do you believe that I am able to do this? So let's apply Jesus' question to your own need this morning. Perhaps it is a need that you have been praying about for quite some time, that you've been bringing to Jesus over and over again. Perhaps it is a need that you have only become desperate about in recent days. You wish that Jesus would just take this need and make it go away. 
But I want to let you know today that your need is actually a gift from God to you. Jesus wants to use this need that you have in your life to stretch your faith, to grow your faith in Him. And so I want you to bring your need back to Jesus this week. I know it must be hard to keep coming back to Jesus in prayer when you've prayed about something so often. But as you bring your need to Jesus again, I want you to hear Him ask you, do you believe that I am able to do this? Talk to Jesus then not only about your need, but talk to him about your faith and his authority to meet your need. Let this need be an opportunity to grow your faith in Christ. I have found that Jesus has grown my faith in Jesus in two ways as I have prayed for him, to him. I have found, first of all, that sometimes Jesus gives me the miracle that I need. Just like God gave to the blind men the miracle of opening their eyes, so Jesus has extended my wife's life when her cancer diagnosis was bleak. Jesus heard my prayer, and he answered my prayer mightily by his authority. Jesus has authority even over cancer. But secondly, sometimes Jesus gives me a different kind of miracle when I pray. When I was nine years old and I came home from school one day and I could not find my mother, you'd better believe that I prayed desperately for my mom to be safe. I did not know it at the time, but my mother was already dead when I began praying. Years afterwards, I did not believe it was possible for me to live a, a joyful life without my mother. When you're nine years old, your mother is pretty much your whole world. But in the years after her death, I could hear Jesus asking me, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I can love you better than your mother ever could? you believe that I am sufficient for your needs? I saw then Jesus grow my faith, even though it was not the answer to my prayer that I wanted when I was nine years old. Sometimes Jesus grows our faith by giving us what we ask for. And sometimes Jesus grows our faith by withholding what we ask for. Either way, if we trust in him, our faith in him grows. So bring your need to Jesus this week. And when you bring your need, let him ask you, do you believe that I am able to do this? He can do whatever you ask for by his authority. And he can even give you the power to live without whatever you ask for also by his authority. You should respond to Christ's authority with faith. You should also respond to Jesus' authority by seeking deliverance from Jesus at all times. 
It's not just sickness that Jesus has authority over as you read through the Gospels. We have already seen in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 25 that Jesus has authority over death. And in the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 8, we see that Jesus also has authority over other things. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn back with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 8. Let's see a few other areas where Jesus extends his authority. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 24, Jesus and his disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee one day when a huge storm comes up. Waves are crashing into the boat. The boat is swamped. The disciples, many of whom are experienced fishermen, are absolutely terrified in that moment. But do you know who is not terrified? Jesus. Why not? Because Jesus has authority over even the wind and the waves. And so in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 26, Jesus stands up in the boat and he rebukes the wind and the waves. He is like a father who is speaking to some children who have gotten out of control. Jesus says to the wind and the waves, stop it. And what happens? Everything becomes calm at that moment. Jesus got the disciples out of danger because of his authority. And then in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28, Jesus meets two men who are demon-possessed. Can you imagine how horrible your life would be? You had demons afflicting you at every turn, and you were filled with evil. How awful would that life be? These men were so full of evil that they were forced by their neighbors to leave their neighborhood, and they had to move into a place that no one would want to live. They had to move into a cemetery. That's where they were quarantined. But who had the authority to deliver them from the demons that were afflicting them? Who could do that? Jesus could. And so Jesus, in verse 32, cast the demons out of the two men and sent them away. And so if you look at these stories in Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9, you see that Jesus has authority over four things, all that begin with the letter D. Jesus has authority over disease. Jesus has authority over death. Jesus has authority over danger. And Jesus has authority over demons. And he can deliver you also from all of these things. Now, do you think that Jesus only has authority over these four things that begin with the letter D? Are there some things that begin with the letter C, for example, that Jesus does not have authority over? I don't think so. Do you think that Jesus, for example, has authority over countries? Do you think that Jesus has authority over this country today? Do you think that Jesus is on the throne today? He is. He has authority and he is ruling today. So I think that Matthew chapters 8 and 9 are simply giving examples of things that Jesus has authority over in order to teach us that Jesus has authority over all things. 
not just some things. There is nothing that Jesus does not have authority over. So when you need to be delivered from some area of need in your life or some threat, what should you do? You should go to Jesus. You should go to Him in prayer. I brought a quote with me this morning that I'd like for us to look at to remind us of how we should view prayer. Prayer is as natural an expression of faith as breathing is to life. When you feel like you are surrounded by a threat, what should be natural to you? To pray, to seek God's face, because you know that Jesus has authority over what you are dealing with. Pray then. Trust that he has authority to help you. And when Jesus does deliver you, what is the result for you? Not only does your faith increase, but at the same time your joy increases as well. Look earlier in Matthew 9, and let's see the result of what happens when Jesus heals a paralyzed man. We read the result in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 8. When the crowds saw it, they were afraid. And they glorified God who had given such authority to men. The crowds were afraid in the sense that they were in awe of the power of God that he had given to Jesus to heal this paralyzed man. And so they just had to worship God in that moment. It was amazing what Jesus had done. And so they had to celebrate the power of God that was given to Christ. They had to rejoice that God had given authority to Jesus over disease and over all other things. Do you want more joy in your life? Is that something you could stand more of? Well, when you see Jesus use his authority to answer your prayers, that's where joy is found. When you see Jesus doing good on behalf of you and his people, that brings joy. So don't get cynical then about praying about your needs. Don't think, ah, oh, Jesus doesn't care. Jesus isn't powerful enough to answer this particular prayer. Instead, pray in faith. Trust that Jesus has the authority to deal with your need. Jesus still has authority to deliver you. And when he does deliver you, do you know what you are going to do? You're going to rejoice. You're going to worship. You're going to celebrate all that Jesus has done for you. So continue then to seek deliverance from Jesus. The final way that we should respond to Jesus' authority is with obedience. I am sure that these two blind men rejoiced greatly when Jesus opened their eyes. What a miracle Jesus did. What a gift to be able to see. So it must have seemed strange to the blind men, very strange, when in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 30, Jesus sternly warns these two men, see that no one knows about it. Jesus did not want these blind men to go out and spread the news 
that Jesus had opened their eyes. The blind men must have thought, why? Don't you want more likes on your Facebook page, Jesus? Don't you want to become more famous? I don't know if you've noticed this, Jesus, but there's a lot of people in Israel who are really excited about the Messiah coming. They expect him to come any day now. That excitement is growing and building. So now that we know that you are the son of David, now that we know that you are the Messiah that we have been speaking, seeking, shouldn't we spread the word that you have come? No, Jesus said. That's not what I want you to do. In fact, that's why he performed this particular miracle inside a home. In verse 28, we read that. He was inside. No one else could see this miracle that Jesus had done. And so Jesus wanted to keep his identity as our Messiah secret for just a little while longer. And so Jesus sternly warns these two men who had been blind. The word sternly literally means fiercely. Jesus was not shy about telling these two men what he wanted them to do. He got his point across very strongly. But here's the question. Did the blind men who had been healed, did they obey Jesus? No. Verse 31 says, But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. Now the blind men probably did not understand the reason for Jesus' command. Plus, they were full of joy over all that Jesus had done for them. So they, they felt like they had to tell someone about what Jesus had done. And so they disobeyed Jesus' clear command. Jesus knew, he knew full well, that he was getting a lot of likes on his Facebook page for the miracles that he was doing. But Jesus also knew full well that he was getting a lot of dislikes on his Facebook page by the religious leaders who were jealous of his fame and jealous of the people following him. Jesus also knew that a lot of people were following him for the wrong reasons. He knew that people were seeking to see more miracles. They wanted to see what the magic man would do next. They did not realize that Jesus was their Messiah and Lord, who had authority over all things. And so they were not following him for the right reasons. Thus, Jesus was and is God when he came to earth. He still is God. But when he came to earth, Jesus became a man, a human being. And what do human beings need? We all need rest. We all need sleep. And so since the two words, the two men spread the word about Jesus around the town, everyone who had a need would be banging on Jesus' door at all hours of the day and night. Jesus would not be able to get any rest because these two men spread the word about Jesus. Jesus then could get no rest before his next phase of ministry because these two men had disobeyed his command. So I want you to look back with me again at Matthew 9 and verse 28 and see how the men responded when Jesus asked them the important question, do you believe that I am able to? To do this? What was their answer? How did they respond? 
Yes, Lord. Now, when you call someone Lord, you are recognizing that this person has authority over all things. And all things include you. But when the blind men disobeyed Jesus' clear command not to go and tell others what Jesus had done, they were in effect saying to Jesus, No, Lord. And saying no, Lord, is a contradictory statement. How can you say no to someone who has authority over all things? You can't. At all times, then, we need to respond to Jesus' authority and to Jesus' commands by saying to him, Yes, Lord. We even need to say, Yes, Lord, when we have no idea why Jesus is making the command that he is making. That is living by faith in Christ's authority. Faith means obedience. So is there some command of the Bible that you have been resisting in recent days? Have you been saying to Jesus the contradictory words, No, Lord. Because you cannot understand why Jesus would command such a thing. Listen to some of the words that Augustine once wrote. Since it is God we are speaking of, you do not understand it. If you could understand it, it would not be God. Augustine makes sense here in his words. God is infinite. We human beings are very limited and finite. And so God will sometimes command us to do things that make no sense to our finite minds. So why should we do these things that make no sense to us? Because there is something else that God has done that makes no sense. God chose to love you when you were his enemy. God sent Jesus to earth to die on the cross to pay for your sins when you delighted in living in rebellion against him. And God gave Jesus the authority to defeat sin, death, darkness, and evil. And Jesus used his authority to do all of this for you. Does that make any sense? I don't think so. It's a mystery why Jesus would use all of his authority that he has been given by God for your good. It's a mystery why Jesus would choose to love us. But he does. Praise God. Let us respond then to Christ's authority with faith in his great power. When Jesus asks us, do you believe that I am able to do this? Let us answer with a firm Yes, Lord. And let us respond to Christ's authority as well by seeking deliverance from all our threats through his authority. And let us always respond with obedience to the authority of our Lord. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you today that you have authority over all things. 
It's a scary world that we live in, Lord. We are afraid of so much of what we see that is going on in our country. And we are afraid of other threats that we see just happening in our personal lives. We don't know where to turn. And so we thank you that we can turn to you. Thank you that you are on the throne. Thank you that you have the power to do all things. And thank you that when you ask, do you believe that I am able to do this? We can answer with all of our hearts. Yes, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.